Journaling has been a big part of my life since I was around age 11. Yeah, I've been journaling for over 20 years, which is kind of crazy, but it's provided a lot of clarity for me. It's been an outlet for my emotions. It's deepened my walk with the Lord. It's allowed my brain the time and space needed just to process life. This episode is entirely devoted to journaling, and I'm going to share what I actually write in my journal and how my journaling habits have changed throughout my life. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 45. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Let's dive in. I'm going to preface everything I'm about to say with this. This is my way of doing things, and these are simple practices that I've found helpful for me. I know not everyone might be a written processor, so it's okay if you're not into journaling. Also, there's no right or wrong way of doing this, but one thing that's been helpful for me through the years is just hearing about what other people write in their journals, if you are a journaler, and why. So I'm going to open up one of the most personal parts of my life to you, my journals. My journals are some of the most precious possessions in my home. I have a cabinet filled with completed journals from the time I was 11. I have prayers, sermon notes, thoughts, and scriptures written down from so many seasons of my life. When I just started following Jesus around age 11, when I gave up dating for a year in high school to strengthen my relationship with the Lord, when boys broke my heart, when my parents got divorced, when we had to sell my childhood home— When I fell in love with Will, when I went to college and was really homesick, when I became a wife, when we lived in Boone, when I couldn't find a job after college, so I started this photography thing, when we moved to Raleigh, when I became a mother, and again and again, I wouldn't trade these journals for anything because the pages of these journals contained the story of my life. These journals, along with family photos, are my most prized possessions. Over the years, I have learned and planned to use my journals effectively. I've also learned what journaling looks like as a new mom, which is really different than what it looked like before I was a mom. Most importantly, I've seen the effect that journaling has had on my relationship with the Lord. There is a really real and tangible correlation I've found to be true for me in my walk with the Lord in journaling. Now, if you've never journaled before and you think it's weird or hokey or time-consuming or wasteful, I get you. If I hadn't been doing this for so long, I probably would think the same thing. But if you try it, it still might feel weird or hokey as you begin, but you just got to give it time and get used to it. As I walk you through how I journal, I hope that you can look at it maybe with some fresh eyes and see how it might be beneficial for you. So here we go. This is how I journal. Now, when I start a new journal, it always has to feel special to me. I mean, it always does feel special. There's something new and crisp about a brand new journal with no words in it, totally empty pages. It's refreshing to me. But in high school, I was kind of cheesy about this. I called it my date with Jesus. I'm not even kidding. I would go to Barnes & Noble. I would get my favorite drink, which at the time was a white chocolate mocha. Side note, that's the drink that made me fall in love with coffee, even though it has like a very small smidgen of coffee in it. (laughs) Maybe 
I don't know, maybe you can relate. I started off in a really sweet drink. Okay, sorry, tangent. Um, moving on. And then I would stare. So on my coffee date with Jesus, I would stare at the journal wall in Barnes & Noble until I found the perfect one. So now I usually don't go to Barnes & Noble and make a big deal about it. I just grab something pretty at Target that's not super expensive. They have really nice journals at Target, by the way. But no matter what, I just encourage you, choose something that you're really happy and excited to write in. I have a variety of journals. Some are leather bound and really beautiful, and some are like a school spiral bound notebook. It doesn't really matter as long as you're excited about it. Once it's been purchased, I write the month and the year on the inside front cover. So if I'm starting a journal in February of 2020, that's what I would write down in the front page, February, 2020. And then when I finish it, I put the month and the year on the back inside cover. So if it takes me a year to finish it, I would write February 2021 on the back inside cover. Uh, You know, it can take anywhere from six months to like three years to finish a journal, depending on your life and the journal. But bottom line is this allows me at a glance to just look at any of my journals, pick it up and know exactly the season that I was in. I always write my name and my phone number on the front page. So it will hopefully be returned to me if I misplace it. Now, I'll get into what I actually write in the pages of the journal in just a moment, but I wanted to share practically kind of how I choose and use my journals. So if I attend a conference or workshop that offers its own small notebook or journal for note-taking, I rarely use it. Most of the time, I just bypass it, and instead, I bring my own journal with me. I keep all of my notes from every sermon from church, any conference that I go to or workshop, I put them all in my journal because I know If I'm dating what I'm writing, then I can easily find the content. Now, I also have a separate business journal because I love to learn and dream and process and write and because I love to keep everything together in one place. And it just feels like it makes more sense to have all of my work ideas and dreams and the different workshops or conferences or courses that I take on business to be in that journal versus my more personal journal. I also keep a cabinet in my home, like I mentioned, for just my used journals. I call it my Omer of Mana, and I know this is really cheesy and really Christian-y, so bear with me because I I know it, I just, I kind of cringe because it sounds so cheesy, but it comes from this verse that's really significant and good, so hang with me. Moses said in Exodus 16, this is what the Lord has commanded, take an Omer of Mana and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. Okay, so now if you don't know, manna is the bread that fell from heaven that God literally fed his people with when they were in the wilderness. They had no food and they were hungry and complaining and begging God, and he provided for them. Literally, it like rained from heaven, these little morsels of bread. They called it manna. And so God told Moses, hey, keep a jar of it. Keep a jar of this manna, this manna, an omer of manna, the bread from heaven, to show generations to come that God took care of them. So that's really what I believe my journals are, testimonies of how God has seen me through in my life and provided for and showed his tender love and care for me in my life. Okay, so what do I write in my daily journal? Usually, I begin writing the following at the top of the page. The date, 
my current location. So I'll just write home or at the beach or, you know, wherever I am. If I'm on vacation, it's kind of nice just to have that context. The weather, my scripture reading of the day, and what I'm feeling, my current emotion. I found this is just a way of kind of centering and getting in touch with my own heart and surroundings before I even start writing. It grounds me in the reality of here and now just to write those five things down. And looking back, like I said, it's nice to have some context. I especially love to remember the small feelings of the day. I love to recount when it was snowing or when I was journaling at the beach or if I felt a little sad for some reason. And next, I just start writing what's on my heart. Most of the time, not always, but most of the time, I direct it straight to the Lord. I really view my journal as not like this formal prayer journal, but just a connection tool for me to be really raw with Jesus. I show up, I write, and I process where I am, how I'm feeling, and I give it all to the Lord. There's no particular formula to this part, but it usually includes some sort of combination of one or two or three of the following things. A favorite verse from that day's scripture, a written prayer, a description of the big events of my upcoming week, my feelings on life, or those events maybe that are looming in the near future, my goals, short-term, long-term goals, what I'm looking forward to or what I'm dreading about the day ahead, and any notes or quotes from the book that I'm currently reading. I'd say most of my days I write a Bible verse, a prayer, and maybe a few thoughts, and that's it. Some days I don't write anything. Honestly, most days I don't write anything these days just because it's been so crazy with the little ones, but I really try to to make this a daily practice. On Sundays when I go to church, I usually only take sermon notes, and that's my journaling for the day. And in the beginning of each month, I'll write down my goals or my to-dos that I really want to accomplish that month. So these days, as my time is shorter than it was before I had kids, I usually use my journaling time for prayer a show up as I am kind of prayer. And I kind of want to explain this. I heard this explained so beautifully in a book. Shauna Nequist illustrated this in her book, Present Over Perfect. She gave the analogy of oil and vinegar. She said, when you pray, pour out the vinegar first, the acid, whatever's troubling you, whatever's hurt you, whatever is harsh and jangling your nerves or spirit, you pour that out first. I'm worried about this child, or I'm hurt from this conversation. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I don't know how this thing will even get fixed. Pour out all the vinegar until it's gone. Then what you find underneath is the oil, glistening and thick. We're going to be fine. God is real and good and present and working. This is the grounding truth of life with God, that we're connected, that we're not alone, that life is not all vinegar pucker, and acidic. It is also oil, luscious, thick, heavy with history and flavor. But you have to start with the vinegar or you'll never experience the oil. Many of us have learned along the way to ignore the vinegar, the hot tears banging on our eyelids, the hurt feelings, the fear. Ignore them, stuff them, make yourself numb, and then pray dutiful, happy prayers. But this is what I'm learning about prayer. You don't get the oil until you pour out the vinegar. Man, I have chills as I read this again. Don't you think that analogy is so beautiful? I often think we feel like we have to come to the Lord with a tidy prayer or something perfect to write in a brand new journal. And I'm here to tell you that is not the best use of your journaling. The best journals are the ones where you show up as you, 
whether you are tidy and organized and have great handwriting and that makes you happy or whether you are messy and you don't want to write in the lines and you show up and you pour out your heart and thoughts, whatever is you being you honestly and vulnerably, that's the greatest treasure. So yes, I have learned over my years of journaling to start with the raw, hard stuff or just the normal stuff or the numb stuff, whatever it is I'm feeling. And then I get to the good stuff, the oil. I write scripture. I'll write it again. I'll write one word from that scripture really big. I'll circle it. I'll proclaim truth. I'll write it in all caps. I'll just end with a simple line in my journal that says, Lord, help me. I'm pretty sure I did that this week, actually. One thing I've incorporated into my journaling is what my friend Jess Connolly, who I interviewed just a few weeks ago, calls Count the Fruit. I should honestly do more of this, but I most often do it at the end or close of a season, whether it's the end of an actual season like spring or summer, or it's the end of the kid's school year, or it's the end of a big trip we had planned for months, or if it's the end of a really hard week, I'll block an entire page off and write count the fruit at the top, and I'll write down all of God's goodness and all the fruit that has come out of that season, whether it was easy, great, or really difficult. This will for real do something good to your brain and thoughts because you literally rewrite something that was hard and you see how God meant it for good. Or you just stop to soak it all up instead of rushing to the next thing, which is just way too easy to do. I think we do that way too often, just rushing to the next thing. And this causes you to stop and appreciate the season you've been in. I did this at the end of Closing Nancy Photography and I counted the fruit. I took pages and pages and pages in my journal I listed the names of every couple or family I could think of from memory that I had photographed over the last 12 years. I listed the places we got to travel because of my work. I listed the amount of money. I kind of estimated the full amount that the business had generated over the years. And my favorite, I listed the names of relationships, of people who were still in my life, people I still call my dearest friends, people who have impacted me and changed the course of my life for the better. Counting the fruit was such a beautiful exercise for me to process the end of that season. Now, I debated sharing this next thing because I feel like it's really personal, but it's actually become a pretty important part of my journaling and my relationship with the Lord. As I have intentionally practiced listening to God's voice in my life, and I've asked Him for guidance or something specific, I will write down in my journal what I believe He's saying to me. And here's the thing, I always mark it. As the Lord's words to me with a little symbol, I just draw a little leaf so that I know as I flip back through the pages of my journal, those are His specific words for me. Or I can listen to the Holy Spirit and write something down, but I can go back and measure those words against Scripture and godly counsel if I'm not sure it it really was His voice. So the significance of the little leaf for me comes from the Scripture, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And it's just a little symbol that's meant a lot between me and the Lord. So if you want to try this, I'd encourage you to pick your own symbol and just try it. It helps me to actively listen and record what he's saying. In the book, Switch on Your Brain, which I talked about a few episodes ago, Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about how the actual process of writing consolidates the memory and adds clarity to what you've been thinking about. She says, writing is a complex cognitive and metacognitive process requiring deep thinking. I always encourage anyone who keeps a thought journal to be creative with their notes. Don't limit yourself to just writing in straight lines. If there are word associations of groupings that seem natural, group those on a page. 
Draw a picture or diagram to go along with that thought expression. Add color or texture. Pour out the impressions in your mind onto the page. The bottom line is this. Journaling engages your mind on a whole new level. There's scientific proof to back that up, which is crazy, but I honestly think that's why journaling makes me feel so much more connected to the Lord. When I journal my thoughts and process them with Him, I literally feel closer to Him. I feel like I could go on and on about this, how it's important to write your thoughts, feelings, and prayers out. I liken it to that story about Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if you remember this, but Abraham Lincoln wrote an incredibly angry letter to someone, but he never chose to send it. The letter was found amongst Lincoln's things after his death. Instead, he allowed that letter to be written, and it was his way he processed anger. But he chose to trust that person and instead never express his anger directly to him, which would have hurt him and really hurt the relationship. I feel like that's how it is with journaling. Sometimes we just need to get our emotions out on paper, and it helps us process them. But it does us really good because we don't necessarily need to let that out to another human. And the good news is the Lord can always, always handle it. He can handle any emotion, no matter how severe you feel like it it might be. He is there listening and He can take it. In the age of sharing everything all the time, I feel like it'd do our inner selves good just to process some things alone on a regular basis. Or rather, not alone, but with the Lord. It really is a gift if you try it. I'll never forget this one time I spoke at a conference and my friend, Caitlin James, she had to leave to go home a little early because she had a drive ahead of her. Well, I looked down about 20 minutes later after she had left and I realized she had left her blue journal next to me. So I texted her and I said, hey, just want to let you know, I see your journal here. I've got it. I'm going to mail it to you um, in the next couple days. And her response really moved me. If you know Caitlin's story, you know that she lost a baby the day that he was born and I interviewed her about this in episode 23, and I'll leave a link to that in the show notes if you want to go back and listen. But that journal, that blue journal I had in my hand, was her most prized possession. She texted me back and she said, listen, I know I'm already 20 minutes out, and I know I have a two and a half hour drive ahead of me, but I'm turning around to get it. Please don't think I'm crazy, but that was the journal that took me through James's pregnancy and his loss, and it's one of the most important things that I own. I'll be right back to get it. And sure enough, she came back and I handed it off to her and gave her a big hug. And I just looked at her and I said, I get it. I get it. You know, we can have a lot of things in this world. We can have jewelry and houses and, you know, things that are valuable. But the bottom line is, man, when it comes down to it, for me, my journals and my photos are the most precious things that I own. So I think that pretty much summarizes why I journal. It's to process the hard things and the good things and the grief and the joy of all that life throws your way. And just know it's changed for me. I, I mean, it, the amount of time I could spend journaling, I, I would regularly have about an hour's quiet time every morning, um, the first six or seven years of our marriage and even in college. And I love just writing, you know, a page or two or three in my journal every morning. And now, you know, I'm doing pretty good to get in half a page every other day, that's like a really good week for me (laughs) as a mom of three little ones who's been sick and needs a lot of sleep. And so give yourself grace and allow journaling to be what it needs to be for you in your season. It's, It's okay. As a mom of three littles, like I said, I don't get to journal as much. I try to every day, but sometimes it's just once a week. 
The important thing is, is that it's a rhythm that I cling to. If you've never tried it before, I highly recommend it. Okay, it's time for the work and play corner store, which is where we have some fun and I give you a good book recommendation and something else that I'm loving and that's it. It can be random, funny, serious, but it's always going to be something that I recommend and I might get a small commission from it, but it'll help me continue to bring the podcast to you every week. Plus it's fun. So today I'm going to be adding the book, The Power of a Praying Wife, as well as my favorite pens to the corner store. So The Power of the Praying Wife is such a great companion to my journal because sometimes it gives me the words. You can also get Power of a Praying Parent. You can fill out Power of a Praying Woman. Stormy O'Martian is so gifted in writing out prayers. And so if you feel like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to pray. I don't, I don't feel like I'm eloquent. I feel like I'm drawing a blank. Any of her books are good. I'm just saying Power of a Praying Wife because that's the one that I started out with. But they're so, so good. So my favorite pens are the 0.038 gel ballpoint pen or something. I'll leave links to these in the show notes. And I honestly feel like I may have even done these before in the corner store, but I love them this much. I feel like they're worth doing twice if I have. I can't remember. But they're so great. They're really skinny. They're really thin pens, so they're not thick, but I love them because they're thin and they're black ink and they're just great. So I have to be having that pen in my hand whenever I'm journaling. Well, thanks for listening to episode 45 of Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Everything I've mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 45. And you can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at nancyray on Instagram or Facebook almost daily. This quote by Jessamine West says it best. People who keep journals have life twice. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.